Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the Mind Affinity podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Alison Mead from Silicon Bullet, who's also known as the Singing Sage Lady. So uh, who knows, we may even get a tune out of her today. The mind is capable of amazing things, and yet so many people use that immense power to hold themselves back. Imagine what you could achieve harnessing that power and using it to push yourself forward. This is the Mind Affinity Podcast, the place for advice and inspiration to help you empower yourself. Alison, hi, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great, thanks. Good. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's took a while. It has. I, you, you've been waiting patiently in the wings. I have. I was just waiting to see how other people made fools of themselves first before I came in and did it. And now you're going to outdo them all, right? Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. So well, I tell you what, on that vein, then let's just dive straight into it. Give me a song. Give you a song. Oh, don't don't yeah. do that to me, please. I'm not mentally prepared for that. <laughs> well, that's what makes it more fun for me. OK, OK. First, I was afraid. I was petrified. Kept thinking I couldn't live my life without you by my side. That'll do. That'll do. Yay! <laughs> so when I hear you sing that song, I can't help but uh, hear the alternative lyrics that you normally put in there. Yes. So I do insert little songs into my networking because the, the big thing about going to networking meetings and doing your pitch bit at the beginning is being memorable. I, I, I learned a long time ago that nobody listens to what you're saying and nobody can remember a word of it. Because I think back of all the people that I've heard at the end of a networking meeting and I can't remember half the people in the room or what they were saying because I was either nervous because it was my time about to come up or shaken a little bit because I've just done mine and it takes you a while to cool down or whatever. But as soon as you do something a little bit different, like sing or do a poem or something like that, People might not remember what you do, but they will definitely remember that you were in that room that day. Absolutely. I think there's there's a lot of lessons you can take from that beyond just business networking, really, aren't there? Yes, definitely. Be memorable, but in a nice way. Awesome. Well, that's all we need, really, for the podcast. We've got a really useful message to share with everyone. We've, we've, we'll call it a quits now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> it. Bye. <laughs> Or maybe we go back to the start and actually talk about who you are so people know what, what we're going on about. So who are you, Alison Mead, and what do you do? Okay, I am a, a business owner. I've run a business for over 20 years now with my husband, Paul. Um, I'm a mum. I do feel I'm a little bit defined by health issues and health problems that I have. And um, I'm a business networker. I have learnt a lot through doing that. And I'm generally quite a chilled out, friendly person that kind of bumbles along in life without planning much. But as long as I'm having a good time every day, then I'm more or less happy. That's me. Uh, let's let's touch on the health thing then. So you say you do feel you're slightly defined by some of your health issues. Um, are you happy to talk a bit more about what you mean by that, where that comes from, what it's all about? Yeah, yeah, always, always. Um, I... When I was a, well, when I was a baby, when I was a toddler, um, I had a measles jab and then I started to get ill. And it took my parents quite a long time to get a diagnosis and work out what was wrong with me. They tried out all sorts of stuff, had to go to different doctors. 
Um, and it turned out that they think that I had uh, juvenile chronic arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. But I'm very lucky in that. I don't remember that period when I was really ill and long stays in hospital and all, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and I was also lucky with the parents that I had in that uh, if you are a child with arthritis and that kind of thing, what you don't want to do is get wrapped in cotton wool and kept still because your body will just seize up and you won't be able to move around. And I had the sort of parents, I was the youngest of five kids. It was a busy household. You just get up and get on with things and that's what you had to do. So I learnt as a child with a couple of long stays in hospital and then at school to use my condition to my advantage. <laughs> so Give me some, there must be a good story in there of a, of a time where you've really used it. Well, I think there, there were simple things like, um, strangely, my neck used to be really bad and I had to wear my collar every other Thursday when it was hockey for PA because I tried it once and I didn't like it you know so I did used to um, manipulate it a little bit in order to get the ends that I wanted I had a, a very long stay in hospital when I was uh, seven so that would have been I was in the first year of junior school I think the equivalent of about year three in modern parlance now and um oh we did used to run well we thought we did we used to run rings around the doctors and nurses and things like that there as well so things like you'd get up in the morning and you'd go for an hour's physio in a heated pool and then you'd get to the schoolroom at, at uh, 10 o'clock and I think I told them about which school books I was on being the earlier ones that I'd already gone through at school so all the work I was doing was stuff I was repeating as well so I was a little bit sneaky in that way um, and then we used to break at three o'clock and then have another hour in the pool and then we would then be able to ride these little trikes and bikes around this huge hospital uh, it was called um, the Canadian Red Cross Memorial Hospital Taplow in Berkshire and I actually have although um, it was a long way from home from the Wirral so there was no visiting from the families because it was too far away from home. So you imagine Monday to Friday, you just made the best of it and you're in hospital with all the other kids in the ward with you. Um, and then weekends, if they could, my parents would come and see me or my dad would come and see me or they'd take you out or something like that. Um, and I was very self-sufficient Monday to Friday because you didn't expect anything different. If my dad was late coming to pick me up, I was a puddle on the floor on the Saturday morning because of the expectations of knowing what was going on. Yeah. But it kind of made me in one way very self-sufficient and, and, and everything like that and being able to just, you know, manipulate things a little bit to my advantage. But also because of all through my childhood, I wouldn't know if I'd be, um, if I would be ill or if I would be good or if I'd have good patches and bad patches and flare-ups and not. It's made me someone that doesn't really like to plan things too much because you wouldn't want a flare up to come and destroy all your plans. Cause that happened quite a lot in my childhood, missing out on things that you'd wanted to do. Um, but also enjoying things when you got the chance to doing as much as you can with the limited capabilities that you had. So follows on all through life, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we all have the ability to change and adjust from those patterns. But those patterns do form early on and have a tendency to stay with us unless we choose to do something different. 
Um, but you generally find that it works for you, right? It does. It does. You know, I, I probably frustrate myself sometimes, but actually, you know, my business has been going for 21 years now and I still am not very good at planning and things like that. But I seem to be able to bounce along at a level that gives us what we want and keeps us happy without worrying us too much. Um, I suppose the really big difference these days in life is that I have changed the things that I am in control of that make the... Um, the health issues have more or less disappeared into the background um but they're always don't know when they're coming back so there might be a so you, but there's you learn or you you this is where you try to learn and use the wrong language and i'm talking to you so that always you know <laughs> got to use positive language never say never don't use don't always avoid always i've learned well but it it it's it's um it is learning to um, enjoy the good times when you're having them. Because if I just sat here and stressed about when I was going to get ill or when I couldn't do things again, then I wouldn't be able to enjoy the here and now. Yes. Got to enjoy the here and now. And, and that's a really key point. And I think, I think sometimes having some challenges to the, the health issues that you've had, for example, as much as that sucks, I'm sure, you wouldn't necessarily have learned those lessons as well without that. So, you know, I know people who, who get a long way through life and, and still haven't learned the lesson to really embrace and enjoy the moment and are still thinking about you know, living in the future or trying to live in the future and allowing that and the worries that associate with that to influence how they're feeling and everything that they're doing in the moment rather than enjoying the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I can I can see how things affect me in business as well in that I'm, you know, I'm a little bit tight with money because I, <laughs> I, I always feel like I need to have a nest egg set aside so that if I do get ill and I can't work and I can't be customer facing, then I've got something to live on in order to stay comfortable and I wouldn't have to deny myself stuff because I didn't have the money. So it's kind of it's this it's this juxtaposition. I'm, I'm getting a little bit better at spending money now because I figured I've got to 50 now and still all right. And I'm still able to move around. So maybe I can have a little bit of fun, a bit more fun than I might have done. So that's not just because you come from up north and have a background in bookkeeping and accounts. Um, <laughs> no, it's a good it's, it's it makes me even worse than James Chisholm, I think. <laughs> For those uh, who are listening, you have no idea who James Chisholm is, uh, regular listener to the show, um, and an accountant from up north who's even more tight than Ali. Yes, and you can go back and listen to his podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> part one and part two. <laughs> so, so you mentioned books there, uh, like when you were younger, pretending that you were at a previous reading level so you didn't have to read books. But you're... you're your thoughts around reading have changed somewhat since then, haven't they? So, I, well, no, that, that was more, um, you know, when you're doing your maths and the units in those books and those kind of things. So it wasn't referring to reading. It was just referring to schoolwork in general. Ah, right. So I have always been a keen reader because reading is a brilliant way to escape. And uh, before I had my hip replacement in my mid-late 30s, um, I couldn't actually move around much or be very active or do very much because I'd used to get um, 
if I was out and act very active, then I would have to basically sit still for the next few days to make up for it with my joints. So um, reading books was my was my sanity in the days when I couldn't get out much because and also, you know, when you're a, a mum and you're taking kids to their classes, I'd always have a book in my handbag. I'd always be able to sit and read. And it's also a way of escaping and experiencing and doing things that you can't experience in real life by reading a good book. Um, these days now, I spend a lot of my time out walking and exercising and moving around. And also the rest of the time, I probably spend glued to my smartphone. So uh, reading has gone down in the list of things to do, but uh, I am bringing it back in that I'm now reading a book every evening before I go to sleep, just to calm things down, get rid of that screen time, get into sleep mode. The side effect of that is if I now try and read a book during the day, I tend to just go to sleep. It's great to hear that you have a positive sleep routine. Of course, I'm going to say that, aren't I? Yes. It's what I do um, or a part of it. But you're right. We can so easily train ourselves that when I do A, that leads to B. So when I read a book, that gets me ready for sleep. Do you find that reading a book during the day, if you were to do it in a different setting or change something else around it, that so, might be a way of... So I if I'm reading during the day, I won't read lying in bed. So I'll either sit up on the sofa or sit up on the chair. But yep. invariably, I wake up with a book on my nose about half an hour later, <laughs> even <laughs> if I'm sitting up. That's just what happens. But... Um, Alongside the arthritis health issues, I've always had sleep issues and sleep problems, which up until I had my hip replacement done, I'd always blamed on the fact that I, if I stay in one position for too long, I get uncomfortable. So I say I sleep like a tumble dryer. You know, I kind of half come awake and, and, and rotate myself regularly. And that's just what I do. So after the hip replacement was done, I was surprised that I wasn't then sleeping better because they've taken a lot of the pain away. Um, that was when then I was diagnosed with sleep apnea. So, um, and I realized when I got diagnosed with sleep apnea and got a CPAP machine, that that was when things like weight loss started to happen and mm -hmm. feeling fitter started to happen because what I hadn't realized was my really disturbed sleep routine at night due to the sleep apnea, I think I was having about 28 episodes of stopping breathing an hour when they tested me or something. Um, that was obviously meaning that you were waking up feeling just as tired as you've gone to sleep and you just had no energy or motivation to do anything and your body isn't healing properly and it's not preparing. And having sleep apnea and using the CPAP machine definitely saw a marked difference in that I wasn't really doing much different I wasn't eating different things I'd been trying to diet back there as well anyway but it actually meant that my body started to respond and I started to to lose weight there's so many studies that that show a, a strong correlation between sleep and weight loss so there's there's a number of different elements to it um I won't go into I won't bore you with all the science of it right now. Um, but yes, the 
particularly the later stages of sleep play a big part in um, regulating certain hormones and chemicals as well as our circadian rhythm which plays a big part in again the release of different chemicals and hormones throughout the day at different times which helps us to regulate our patterns and when they go out of sync or out of whack it has a huge impact on appetite in various different ways including uh, just not feeling full even when we are you know when we have eaten enough and also like how well we do at holding on to water so when we it's the later stages of sleep that we, where we start to go okay well we're not taking on board water at the moment let's start holding on to the water that we've got so if we're not getting those later stages we don't go through that bit which is why you know when you when you haven't slept you just feel really dehydrated the next day mm. it's not always because of the alcohol um, it can actually be because of the lack of sleep your body's not retaining the water in the same way which is why it it can take time to get back to being hydrated again even if you are drinking a lot. even if you haven't just been drinking gin yes exactly perfect <laughs> but but that doesn't mean you can just keep drinking gin and blame it all on the sleep alley. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. So it, it's, it's amazing the benefits that come from good sleep. What, what else did you notice from that? Is there any other benefits or, or, or gains that you noticed personally for you when your sleep improved? So where I used to need a little napsy in the afternoon every day um and, and, and again just to clarify that wasn't because of the gin no not because <laughs> of the gin so i used to very regularly have lunch and then go and have a little lie down and sleep then um i used to not really do anything in the evenings that meant going out um it's all tied together though it it was you know the hip pain so the hip replacement so that's gone and then it was the sleep coming back and it all ties in together but um, just the increase in energy and of being fitter, my tastes changed. I started eating and liking different foods where I'd always been very, very fussy. As a child, because I've been ill, I think I was pandered to and all of that kind of stuff that I was. I still ate like a child when I was in my 30s and bringing up my children. I was the one having the chicken nuggets and chips while I was cooking vegetables for my children, but I wouldn't eat them myself. Because I was determined not to have what happened to me happen to them. So I made, yeah. you know, I, I tried to change things for them. But it just, you know, your taste changed. You started to eat different things. And it's all kind of a snowball effect. It all adds in. You couldn't just look at one part of your life. It meant that I was able to work more, which isn't always a good thing. I would still like to be a lady of leisure. But, you know, Paul, my husband and the partner in my business, keep saying if I'm still working you need to so I keep saying can I retire now I'm 50 and he says no but I was able to work more I was able to have more hobbies I was able to get involved with more stuff you know it impacted every part of my life basically I, I think that's that's true in a, in a general sense when there's something that you want to change as in a big part of your life that you want to change so often things go hand in hand, don't they? And when you start improving your, your health through whatever focus it is for you personally that makes the, the biggest difference or the quickest difference or the, the easiest one to start with, 
it, it does tend to have a positive snowball effect on looking after the other elements as well. Mm. So, so in your experience, what has been the biggest challenge to either maintaining or creating those changes, positive change for yourself? Um, it is keeping the motivation. So I've, I've always been a, uh, I had always been a yo-yo dieter. And the endorphins and things that are released when you step on the scales every day and the scales have gone down would be great. And then you'd get bored with tracking stuff, doing calories, denying yourself, all that kind of rubbish, she said, moderating her language before it came out. And um, it, and, and it, it would always be I was on a roller coaster. You know, there'd be good times, there'd be bad times. Um, I managed to lose enough weight that the sleep apnea didn't need to be a problem any seemed to be a problem anymore so I could get rid of the CPAP machine but then I put a load of weight back on again which then meant it was a real hassle getting the damn machine back to start again when you realized the same pattern was happening again and it's also allowing yourself the time and realizing in business that if I don't spend that time exercising cooking proper meals and doing all of that, then my work would suffer. So taking time out to do those things is not sagging off and not working yes. hard enough. Such, such an important lesson and message, which can be repeated a, a thousand times in a thousand different ways and still doesn't very easily sink in for a lot of people. Um, I was speaking to someone recently who, who knows that when they get up and go for a walk first thing and look after themselves, they will be more productive. But also they know that when they're busy, as they are right now, they get up and that's the most productive time of their day if they just get on with work. Mm. So they do that and prioritise that, but then they they get sluggish in the afternoon. They're not ready or, or eager to go for a walk or do any exercise at that point, and it has a knock-on impact day after day. Yeah, I mean, and when things were busier and I was going out more, I was getting up earlier to have the walk before I then went and did stuff. Um, got a bit comfortable in the last year, where now <laughs> I don't crawl out of bed till nine o'clock, then I take the dog for a walk, and then I start work at ten. Now that's fine at the moment because you're not sitting in your car and going to other places in order to do things. And I'm doing most things from home. Um, there, I've, got, I've just got to be aware, like with the other person you were talking to, to not allow it to be the fitness, the exercise and the good food to go when you start getting out and going out and about more. Or being, you know, um, dragged in by peer group pressure when you're out. And Ali and I continue talking about her healthier choices and the changes to her lifestyle, as well as many other things in part two. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this episode. So you'll have to come and check out the rest next week. Thank you so much for tuning into the Mind Affinity podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have and you think someone else will benefit from some of the messages shared in my podcast, please do feel free to share it and let other people know. Thanks for tuning in.